Radio. Hello and welcome to the Hitbox, River Radio's Tuesday night gaming show. My name's Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my two good friends, Gabriel and Billy. Gabriel, how are we, mate? Very good, Tom. Nice, nice. Billy, how's it going? Oh, it's been a bit of a long week, but happy to be here. As always, yeah, as always. Right, okay, so in the next hour, we will be talking about the game of the week. We have a discussion this week instead of an interview. We'll get onto that later on in the show. And as always, we finish off the show with a weekly news roundup. Okay, so we will start the game of the week in just a brief moment. You've leveled up. Okay, welcome back to the Hitbox, guys. It's game of the week time. You know what it is. Uh, who wants to start first? I think, Billy, you should go first this week. Okay. Um, as ever, I have a game that I don't think anyone else is going to have heard of. Let's go, uh, as always. As per the usual. Yeah. Uh, so my game of the week this week is Pokemon Conquest. Wow. Which is, uh, it's actually a crossover game. So Nintendo do this semi-often. Uh, one you're more likely to have heard of is Hyrule Warriors, which is a crossover between Legend of Zelda and uh, Dynasty Warriors. But Pokemon Conquest is a crossover between Pokemon and a series called Nobunaga's Ambition, which I've never heard of. <laughs> nope. This, this is the Neither. only game of it that I've ever, I've ever touched. Yeah. But I love Pokemon Conquest. It's great. Um, one of the best things about it is that it is, because it, I, I have it on the DS, it's like a handheld game, but there is so much content for it because there's a full game, like there's, you know, the main storyline. Then there are like 36 unlockable, like sub stories once you finish the main story. And then wow. you get, then there's like a new game plus mode as well. So yeah. you get a lot of content for a little like DS cartridge. But when did this game come, come out then? Was it recent this- or was it... It's a little bit old. It came out in 2012, which is weird because I thought Ooh. it was older than that. Okay. Uh, so I had it before in my head that it was like 2006, but no, it's 2012. I, I went and looked it up before the show started to make sure I got the right. Okay. Uh, so- and when you, when you say a strategy game like Pokemon, I'm trying to imagine what that is. Like, what what kind of things do you actually have to do in the game? Okay, so uh, you obviously have you know you have your Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. it's slightly different because you have to bond with Pokemon. You don't have like Pokeballs. You don't catch Pokemon like that. Uh, you have to defeat them in battle. And if they, they like you and there's certain like conditions to, to make sure they bond with you, you get to take them. Um, and you get, I think, I think you can only have five at once if memory serves. Okay. But um, for the battles themselves, you get like, like a little sort of uh, isometric, that's the word, arena divided into squares. So you have like so much movement. And then Pokemon have different moves that attack like different areas. Uh, so you might have like fire blast attacks, five squares that are in a sort of a cross pattern ahead of you, that sort of thing. I see. Yeah. And obviously tight matchups and stuff will happen. So you get Pokemon that are just flat out immune to some of the attacks. Yeah. Uh, and you, you get like fire Pokemon don't do so well against, I don't know, rock, but they do great against grass and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and then because you're playing over like a, a map of a region called, uh, I think it's called pronounced Ransay or Ransay, I'm not sure. Uh, like each different map some usually has like a, a trick to it. So there's one map where there's a bunch of pillars that will attack anything that stands next to them. And there's one map where uh, there's, there's like bells you can ring that do stuff. And there is a, a map which has like a fighting arena in the center. 
uh, and I think if all your Pokemon get knocked out of it, you lose, even if you haven't, even if they haven't all been knocked out and stuff like that. It's really cool. Cool. So almost like twists on the original game. Yeah, basically. I say it's it's a really cool crossover idea. Wicked. Yeah, it it sounds really interesting for a game that came out in 2012, especially. I mean, I've never heard of it, and I've got to be honest, I'm not really a massive fan of the Pokemon games. I mean, I've never really played them, so it's it's interesting as you know you said that like a a game as big as pokemon or a brand as big as pokemon is actually doing a crossover game with something we've all never heard of before so it's interesting it's nice to see different you know different crossovers really yeah um and of course i have to rate it (laughs) point of the the most important most important part yeah i think uh i mean it does have its weaknesses as a game um it doesn't i don't think it explains all of its mechanics quite as clearly as i would like but as I say, I do really enjoy it. So I still think I'm going to give it sort of a, a solid 8.5. 8.5 wow, that's is good. Pretty, pretty up there, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, wicked. All right, then. So it's obviously Billy, Billy Classic, game no one ever heard <laughs> of, but it's somehow hitting 8.5. So that's what we like. <laughs> it makes sure the people at home are going to go and do their research and potentially find a game they love. So that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Right, okay. I think I'm going to go next really quickly, Gabriel, if that's all right. Yeah, nice one. And I'm going to be discussing a game that I've uh, I've actually had for quite a while, just like you uh, said, Billy, with your game, uh, and that's Slay the Spire. And I don't know whether either of you have heard of it. Billy, you've given me a bit of a yeah, surprise I, I, look there. I've heard of it, although I've never played it. It is sort of one of those like deck building roguelike games, though. Yes. So this is my uh, this is what I basically wrote down to try and explain the game uh, to to you both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, a roguelike card based game is pretty much what I'm going to say. And I say I say it's a mismatch, a mishmash uh, of Hearthstone and basically any other roguelike game you can think of. Uh, and I'm a massive fan of Hearthstone. I've been playing that game for years. And that's probably one of the the biggest card card battle games. You, you can pretty much find really uh so essentially the game runs like this okay although it's called slay the spire you have to essentially start at the bottom of this this tower spire looking thing and work your way up to the top and you do this by fighting uh increasingly difficult monsters through your journey up the spire and these these can be obviously at the start be really simple uh, and then you you run against uh, bosses and higher powered enemies further up you go. And then you have to defeat uh, a boss at right at the end, which I'm going to keep a secret because it's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, and essentially the way you get through this is by obviously killing or getting through different levels, like I said, and then upgrading your cards and collecting character buffs and items that help you basically help you scale your power. So you start off with, I'm not too sure exactly how many cards you get to begin with, but let's say you get a very basic selection of cards uh, and throughout the run you, you you pick up more cards you can then either buy or you get from defeating a boss or, or something like this. And you have to essentially craft an archetype of deck uh, that synergizes well together so you become strong enough to carry on throughout the game. Uh, so yeah, so when I first picked this game up, I pretty much felt right at home because I had years and years of experience of playing Hearthstone, like I said, and roguelikes essentially work like any other. You, If you die, 
you die, you're done, and you restart the game right from the right from the beginning. Uh, and, and just the pure simplicity of the game makes it really easy to get into as well. Like you don't have to have any prior knowledge of card games, although it does help. Uh, you, you can jump into this and you, you get the the gist of it really easily. So yeah, it for me personally, it's a great game for when you wanted to chill. Uh, and by that I mean you can play it literally leaning back in your chair with your mouse. You don't have to touch your keyboard. You, you know, you can do it lying down if you want to on your laptop before you go to sleep. But it's also something that keeps your brain in gear. You've got to be thinking. You've got to make wise decisions. Otherwise, you're just not going to do well and you've got to think of all the synergies and and everything like this. And it's it's, it's a difficult game, but it is one that you can play when you when you just want to sort of at least physically relax rather than mentally. But yeah, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I think it's not up there with the games that I've mentioned before being, you know, the Overwatches and the the top, top dogs. But it's, it's for what it is, it, it smashes it. it. You know, it's a card-like, roguelike game. And I don't think there's anything in that genre or a mix of between these two genres that does what it's supposed to do as well as Slay the Spire. So yeah, 7.5. I think that's, I think that's a fair okay. and uh, just response. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, right. cool. it's me over then. Gabriel, go for it, lad. Yeah, so my game of the week is Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy, published by Square Enix. I don't know if any of you have seen this. Now, I've seen this. I think it's uh, released on Xbox Game Pass. So that's where I saw it. I, I think didn't so anyway. actually know it was on the Game Pass. I can do some fair. checking really, really quickly, but I have a feeling I saw it come out. Um, on the Game not, Pass? If not, my mind is imagining things and I've either just seen it on a store somewhere or uh, you might yeah, have I'd... seen it on the store to be fair it might well be on the game pass I'd actually be interested to know so yeah do let us know I but will. either way as far as I'm aware I think it's available on multiple platforms so PlayStation I believe PC as well obviously Xbox both generations and an interesting thing about the game is surprisingly it has no multiplayer it's solely a single-player campaign game, which, as I've previously mentioned on the show, I absolutely love. There are no microtransactions either, which I think is really cool because it means you don't have to worry about having to spend extra money on the game after you purchase it and it being a case of pay-to-win kind of thing. A lot of games that I find, even campaign-based games, you buy the game and then you find you have to spend loads of extra money on maybe character upgrades, aesthetic changes, things like that. But this is you buy the game and then you're in for an amazing campaign experience, particularly if you do like Marvel films or Guardians of the Galaxy specifically. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the um a lot of the attraction is the fact that it is Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably is a you know that will attract at least the the the, the big source of a player base would be the people that are interested in in the the films themselves. But it's just nice to have these sort of games that encompass such a big um, 
a big film. Yeah, definitely. Mar- Marvel are really trying to cash in on their properties right now because you've got stuff like there's, uh, you know, the Avengers game and the Spider Man games and all that sort of stuff all coming. You know out what? I, I think I think when I said that I thought I saw it, I, I must have been seeing the the Avengers game because that's on Game Pass, and I just had a quick look while you were talking, Gabriel. And yeah, that that one's on a Game Pass, but I'm not too sure whether Guardians of the Galaxy is. Uh, is on there but yeah i mean it's it's good to know i mean i didn't actually play the uh the avengers game but i've played this game and personally i thought that it was great essentially the campaign includes loads of missions which tell the story of the guardians trying to get out of debt so very sort of something you'd be familiar with if you've watched the films let's say that yeah so as you know it almost picks up as if you are them in the movies which i found really cool you play the whole game as peter quill or star lord i think i imagine you guys are probably wondering whether you do get to play as all of the characters and unfortunately you don't however it is it is a real shame because, you know, how cool it would be to almost talking about class systems in games, the way you can sort of gear yourself up differently for missions. It helps keep it interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Besides, you could stand incredibly still as Drax and become invisible. Yeah. <laughs> or just Very become good, and, and just, you know, do your tree things and then never die. Just come back <laughs> as a twig and then, and then grow again or something like that. I think they could encompass. Surely, surely they could. They can make that. That's, that's disappointing. It is. It is. But to be fair, they do have somewhat of a way around this. And what they do is essentially, even though you play as Peter Quill, you can kind of use all of the other Guardian special abilities to your own, and almost so. So essentially, you can command Drax to go. I don't know, pummel some guy, or you can tell Groot to hold someone in place of his roots or something like that you know oh, what I mean? right yeah so you, so you sort of okay. control the whole the whole group but you're actually playing as as um the star lord precisely so yeah it is very unfortunate that you can't play as all of them but they do have somewhat of a counter and i think it's a good compromise and all right that's not all... too bad then exactly exactly so a really cool feature of the game as well is you get a lot of Star-Lord backstory. So again, if you're a fan of the movies, this is another great selling point. You know, you have unseen cutscenes with Star-Lord and his mom and things like that, which is really great. They've really gone to town. They don't include the original actors for obvious reasons, you know, budget, etc. Yeah. Um, they're all probably booked up at the minute as well. <laughs> by the state. You know what I mean? They're all yeah. doing all kinds of stuff at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's still really good to maintain that narrative and get cool little, uh, bite-sized snippets of interesting dialogue between the characters and they, they keep it really consistent throughout the campaign. It's really, you know, it just keeps it interesting. You get to continually upgrade your characters. You play through the story and there's lots of, as I said, really entertaining character dialogue which keeps the missions fresh. So I I find that when you have long checkpoints, you can end up doing the same mission, but those extra bits of dialogue, they kind of keep it interesting, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like it's the shine of the Guardians of the Galaxies, I know in the movies, it's it's lighthearted. It's, you know, it's what you watch the movies for rather than not necessarily what's going on, but you want that sort of interaction between all of them. 
and I hope, yeah, like you said, the game sounds like it does it does it really well. It does. It's so character good. driven. It's character driven rather than being like plot driven. Yes, I, I, yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, precisely. And doing my wider research and what other people are reviewing it, I think that is something that a lot of people picked up on. Like you say, it's character driven. You're relying on those co- comedic moments that you can relate to. That just just keep the whole thing moving. To be honest. So into rating it then, although I haven't managed to get through a lot of the game, I am finding myself to be a massive fan. I may be a bit biased because I do love Marvel movies, but just based on gameplay and how it looks, which I have to add, as you can expect, is pretty much flawless, really great alien worlds to explore, cool uh, monsters to fight, etc. And yeah, I'd give it a really good score. I'm going to have to give it an eight. Nice. Decent, that. Definitely. Very nice. We've we've had it up there. We, we're not dropping past seven recently. We no. need to we need to pick our, our most hated games next week. That's what we oh, need to god. do. Oh <laughs> god. Yeah. Right. Speaking about uh, hating things and games, we're going to quickly <laughs> move over uh, to our discussion this week, uh, where we're basically going to be speaking about the most annoying things that happen to you when you're gaming or happen in games that really frustrate you so we'll be right back in just a second you've leveled up okay welcome back everyone it's the hitbox my name's tom and we're about to be discussing some really annoying things that we've come across definitely in in our times playing video games and that's some of the most annoying things you know, generic things that happen to us as gamers. Uh, so I've got a, I've got a list that we've all put together. So I've taken Gabriel's and Billy's suggestions and put them with my own. And I'm going to read out them in order. And essentially, I want you guys to try and rate them out of 10, sort of like a game in a week, or we we stack them in order. Do you reckon that's probably the best way to go around it? We, we decide whether, you know, for well camping for the first one that's a good <laughs> oh. example that that could be somewhere up at the top because that really grinds my gears but we'll, we'll, we'll read through them and then i think we should uh we we'll should talk about, which, about 10 yeah. or which, which one's the most annoying yeah exactly exactly sounds so, good to me yeah crown crown our crown our worst uh a worst thing that happens in gaming yeah so like i said camping the first one gabriel yeah. this is one you put in wasn't it yeah so goes without saying really i think any gamer who listens to the show can identify with the annoying plague of campers that exist on a plethora of games you know what i mean i mean any, it's, any yes. game that has you know it doesn't have to have guns in it you, any exactly. game that you just have a map and you have multiplayer and you have people that control characters yeah. that go around it you can find campers in in any game Exactly. I mean, for those that don't know, just to just to clarify what we mean by camping, essentially, we mean locking down a part of the map, not being adventurous and roaming around, just sort of camping in a room or in a corner somewhere and just staying there. And whenever someone walks through that area or the the area it overlooks, they're instantly ready to pounce on you and slaughter you. And what ends up happening, and I think a lot of people can identify with this, is soon as they do it once you're like oh god he's in there you know he's in there you go in and then immediately he does you again and this just sparks off a chain reaction that just goes on for sometimes the whole game and it's just so frustrating well well, even if they kill you 
or even if you kill them once, they just they'll just go back either to another place in the map or all the same place and just do it again. Yeah. So so most of my experience from camping comes from my days playing TF2, uh, which is Team Fortress 2, if you those yeah, cool. don't know. I've heard of it. Yeah, very good. So I really enjoyed the map called Two Fort, which is a capture the flag map. So you know you have to pick up an object and take it back to your own base. Sure. Um, so there's two things that really annoy me about campers there. The first one is the room where the, the flag is, because it never changes, is always, always defended by an engineer with a turret. I swear every time. <laughs> which like OP class type vibe. Well, it's so, not really that OP, but I think it is in that situation. Yeah, it's because it's yeah. a tiny little room with like two entrances. Um, which like, but at least that one is like strategic sense. At least you're doing something. The other one that really grinds my gears, although this one is just any game, is when people camp your spawn point. Oh, oh good point. Yeah. The old spawn trap, just as they the say. Worst. Yeah. It's like I'm not even getting to play the game. I'm not even like having to do anything. You're just killing me every time I step outside my spawn point. This is just boring. Why should I continue playing? I know, I know. It's it's honestly like that that gives me memories of Call of Duty before I say before they sorted out this this Modern Warfare 2, I think to yeah. name a great example, especially with in that game, this was a really it, it it almost promoted camping by a perk. And I'm trying to remember what the perk is now. I think it's called One Man Army. And what it enabled you to do is change your class while you're still alive. But when oh, you do yes. so, you get a fresh set of ammo. Meanwhile, yes. grenade launchers are like the most OP class in the game. So every you know, as soon as you run out of your grenade launchers, you just apply that and you get a fresh set of grenade launcher ammo. Oh my god, what a, okay. what a horrible honestly, memory! Honestly, yeah, I think, I think definitely for me, camping appears most in Call of Duty, or at least that's where I've come across it the most. 100%. Obviously, obviously, it's harder in, in, in other games like obviously CSGO and stuff. Yeah, people hide in corners, but that's that's like the point of the game, it's tactical, you have to clear out rooms and make sure people aren't in these and it's a one life game i feel like when you're in that one life scenario or you know when there's no respawn element you're sort of you can you're naturally more curious so you're you're wary of campers but it's those fast-paced games like your call of duty that leave themselves so vulnerable to people that take advantage of the fact that people are a little bit more off guard well, there's yeah, there's re- obviously in those in those other games where camping doesn't really exist. There's reasons for you as a player to move around the map. Otherwise, if you stay in one point, well, maybe yeah, you get one kill, but no one else is gonna bother going and try and find you if you're just holding down one place well and get on with the actual objective at hand. Which is, you know, it it, it takes away the the need for camping. But mm. you know that definitely for sure. This is one that's probably gonna be up there in in with our with our rating for sure i think Definitely. it's just one of the most annoying things now i've got a few to do with cutscenes. okay i'm gonna list them all mm. uh the first one being i think there's another one you put in gabriel the a dialogue being out of sync when you're in a cutscene. yeah or just general glitches you know even if it's just mid cutscene, someone floating across the room or dialogue being out of play just the concept of a cutscene, which really hold the narrative of the long campaign you're playing together and then all of a sudden it doesn't work for whatever reason it's unbelievably frustrating yes like you're you're in a very serious game i don't know like heavy rain or something for example (laughs) and then you know you're in there for the story you're like oh my god what's going to happen and then all of a sudden there's a massive you know graphical glitch or, or someone speaking and it's not 
It's not them who's talking. You're like, oh, come on. Completely ruins it. Completely ruins the whole, you know, they, they work so hard to get you to a point. I mean, imagine getting to the end of the campaign in the final scene when, I don't know, you kill someone or whatever. Their body is invisible or whatever. Like, it just completely ruins it. Uh, the thing that's sort of related, but this was what I find more funny, is, you know, when you have a character that you've created and customised that looks wacky and, you know, has multicolours, and then you're in some serious cutscene and your guy just rolls through with some crazy <laughs> outfit and you're like, oh, my God, it's completely... That's actually good, yeah. yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, like that adds to, to the spice of some games, I guess you could say. And also another thing I find is on that same note, sometimes you have games where you'll dress your guy really fancy and you'll walk in a cutscene and he won't have the clothes and eat. That's also that's, equally that's frustrating. Worse. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's worse. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, go on, Billy. I did say that. Well, well I, I don't disagree. This is annoying. I don't think, think this is like as annoying as like campers because this can be funny and campers never are. They're just, Piss yeah, off. <laughs> the exact, this, exactly what I was going to say. I think camping is genuinely a problem with the game, as in, or with people that play the game. It's it's more frustrating. I feel like these these cut this cutscene glitching and and dialogue, you know, errors are, are more just disappointing. I guess you could say that would that be the best way to describe it? Disappointing, mm, but just, yeah, you know, slightly annoying. But it's not. I don't think it's as bad as camping. So I feel like. The cutscene thing, well, at least the dialogue being out of sync and the glitch is a bit of, uh, you know, I think whatever. As, I think as well, there's all, there's almost an onus on the developers to ensure things like camping don't exist. And obviously they need to ensure that glitches don't happen, etc. But I think when you can, when camping is so prevalent in a game, it really sheds light on how little attention to the actual gameplay of the game the developers have really taken and and i think that's a really big teller and that's why i think camping deserves almost a higher place because it it speaks more loudly about the developers sleeping on quite a prevalent issue if that makes yeah. sense yeah i mean i feel like i i do understand the problem with dealing with camping is that you know it is the people that play the game who are causing the problem like mm. and obviously you know it's games can rectify this issue like i you know in some some games let's say there's no deep corners that people can slide themselves into that maybe they put you know objects to to round out corners i guess you could say to make sure mm. there's no one sitting right in the corner or maybe they try and make the maps less yeah. how would you say it? you know with yeah. with less spaces that you could actually genuinely camp that are important it, but there's only so much a dev can do to stop camping because it is yeah. partly like a, a, a player. Players will always find some way of camping, like, you know? Of course. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's the, the thing is, it benefits them to do that. The reason why they do that is because it, you know, it makes their, their maybe listen to KD, for example, they will get a benefit from yeah. doing these camping. So, yeah, I mean, I mean camping is definitely. It's definitely up there and it beats the, the cutscene problem that we just mentioned. I'm mm. going to talk about another thing about cutscenes, right? Have you ever had it in a game where you, you watch a cutscene, let's say at the start of a boss fight, you know, big minute long cutscene, you try and beat the boss, but you die. And then you're forced to rewatch the same cutscene again and yep. again when you die and again. And it's like, oh Absolutely. my God, an unskippable cutscene is the most frustrating thing. 
especially I, when you just have to watch yeah. it over and over again. Unskippable things are the worst. Give me the option to change things, please. I, yeah, I am it, the player. Let me make my decisions. Yeah, that's that's the the, the thing. You know, it's, it's it's easy to involve a or to implement a skip button, for example, or just not play the same thing over yeah. and over again. I, mean, like, I I appreciate you might not want us to skip things on the first time through. You know, you put a lot of work into your story. Like that's that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I, if I'm not, I don't want to watch the same thing six hundred times in a row because I'm going to be bad at your game. I think that just it, this one just resonates Dark Souls to me. I think Dark, Dark Souls is is one of those games that has those cutscenes. I know the first one especially. They maybe changed it in the the later ones, but I haven't played them. But I remember playing the first Dark Souls and and getting to every boss, and I sucked at that game as well. I died so many times, and it just every time, every time I died, yeah. massive cutscene. I, I've not I've not played uh, Dark Souls, but I I have watched a couple of people play through it. And the one that sticks in my mind is Ornstein and Smau, I think it is. Because not only is there, because if memory serves, there's not only a cutscene at the beginning, there's a cutscene halfway through the boss fight when you kill one of them. Ugh. So every time you die, you have to go through another cutscene as well. Oh my God, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, this this one's really annoying. I know, I know it's less of a problem now because game developers are understanding that this is a problem people don't like it so like although this happens a lot and it does especially in older games there, I, there's definitely skippable cutscenes or at least more skippable cutscenes now than there was previously so i think this is a this is an issue or an annoyance that is actually drifting away into the true into the true now. but you say that the most recent assassin's creed i definitely argue makes a strong case for it not having been sorted out like yeah. having played through that trust me so many times i'd have to re-watch the cutscene for a boss fight and they do some make somewhat of an effort to shorten it upon the second time of watching it but still they definitely have unskippable ones it's so annoying so it's, which, it's it's in the process of getting deleted out of the, yeah. you are right which Assassin's Creed is this? This Odyssey? Valhalla. 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 Yes, Valhalla. The Viking yes. one. That's it. Yeah. Valhalla. Yeah. That. Uh, I'm trying to remember what mission it is. There's a mission that you play in the God Realm, which I won't go into now, but essentially you have to kill this dog. And every single time you got this lap oh. of facing off against this dog kind of thing. Oh. And I've seen, I've, I've seen this on the internet. Yeah. Have you, I wouldn't be surprised. Cause I think it's quite an iconic mission, but yeah, essentially every time you begin that fight, you've got to watch this dog sort of pace you and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, it is what it is. That's definitely, it's definitely up there in the top that one because it's just frustrating. But the thing I would say, yeah, although it is happening with some newer games, it's it's dwindling more than it was. I definitely agree with that. I do definitely okay, agree with that. Cool. Right. Another one we've got written down is really far apart checkpoints. I think, Billy, this was, is this one that you put in? I think it was me to oh, be it was fair. You, Gabriel, yeah, this, this one yeah. yeah. And the reason I said it is because. I I've mentioned a lot of times I was a big fan of Crash Bandicoot and the original Crash Bandicoots they had they're really punishing in terms of checkpoints i.e you'd have loads of and the problem with those games is it's one of those games where you kind of want 100% completion of the level so you want to smash all the crates you want to collect all the whatever you know you want to complete everything so you're going to this massive grind of getting all the boxes getting all the stuff and then you die right before you reach checkpoint and all of a sudden you're going back probably 
10, 15, maybe even t- genuinely, maybe even up to 30 minutes of gameplay. Ugh. If you're doing it, you know, just, just because you failed at the last hurdle and it's, it's awful. And I thought that they'd stop it. I thought this was something that was going to be prevalent in the old crash bandicoot games. And then the new ones, they sort of helped it a little bit, but genuinely the new crash bandicoot four, how much of a great game it is. And it is a great game. It's the same issue with, if you are going to go for these 100% completions, and I appreciate they want to make the game hard and interesting, but they really challenge you in terms of you've got to do so much in between the checkpoints and it's fine, but I think everyone can relate to just the frustration it brings and the amount of time you end up wasting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's, for this one, it's it's a hard balance to, to say whether it's just annoyance that the games have these things or it's, you know, it's the sometimes it's the difficulty of the game and they do it on purpose you know if you don't beat a level then you deserve to go back a certain way but i agree if it if it really does if it really is too far i think that's when it really gets on people's nerves i mean i i will say that that to me this is mostly a a problem with frustration because you're redoing the same things again and again like consider a roguelike when you fail roguelike you go right back to the beginning but i don't feel very frustrated when i'm doing that because i'm no. basically because i'm playing so differently when i go through it again because everything changes yeah. good point yeah no i i definitely agree there it is about doing the repeated the repeated actions yeah just like they said repetition i think that's the killer you know it, it's it's annoying to to go back so far but if the game did something to make it slightly different, like, for example, Back for Blood, which I mentioned last week, is my game of the week. You have this... If the game design is, 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 is done this way. It's not a roguelike, but if you die, you fail and you go back to the last checkpoint. And this can be up to an hour in a puzzle. You know, oh massively God. big. But the thing that makes it okay and acceptable and not as annoying as it would be otherwise is that the runs you do are constantly changing because of the implementations the the director the ai director makes so for example one run could have a boss in it and maybe the next run doesn't or one run is in the dark the next one isn't or something happens specifically in the in the run that doesn't happen in the next one you play for example there's many different things that are implemented because, because make... the game sort of reacts to you. It, it's not such a, 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 oh, I'm doing this again. I already know what's going to happen. I just yeah, have to ex- like, exactly, time it right. Exactly. The, it, it knows that the people are going to fail because the game is really hard and it does everything it needs to do to stop it from being repetitive and boring. I feel like the games that are linear, that you know, you go from one checkpoint to the next checkpoint, you load the next map and go there, there and there. That's the problem with that's well, that there are the games that have the problem with these long ass che- checkpoints. This, but yeah. you know, roguelikes and Back for Blood, it's acceptable. So it's sort of a balance between. Yeah, I I, th- I think this one falls quite far down on this because it is especially now where you have these these like multi branching. Oh, I don't have to go this route every time. I can go this route. Um, just thought the game that does this really well, which is Overgrowth, which I don't know if either of you have played. I have not. No, I don't think Sorry. so. Okay, well, I'm not going to get into it, but in Overgrowth, you're basically a ninja rabbit. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but <laughs> Sounds wicked. <laughs> it is. You also die a lot, but because you die a lot, there is like, you are, when you're in a map, you can go anywhere as long as you get to your objective. So it's not such an 
issue. You're not forced to go on this like one narrow path. We have to do the same actions again and again and again. So it's not as frustrating. Yeah, it's like the way the best way I describe it is the you know the old sort of Mario games. You know, there's one linear path that you take and you follow the map and you get to the end. Or Sonic, for example. And I know they don't have ma- massively long checkpoints, but those some games, do, you know, some yeah, do. Some, some, some do, but it's. You know, if you were playing a game that did like that, that did have a long checkpoint that's really hard to get to, that's where it becomes really annoying. Like genuinely, just repeating what you were doing, yeah, you know, minutes ago. Okay, I definitely so- agree with putting it down on the list as well because I think, yeah. although we will go frust- say it's frustration, I think another man will tell you, well, that gives you even more satisfaction from being able to do it. You know what I mean? In the sense of it, although yeah. it makes it longer, it makes getting to the next it, it does give you that, that, that yeah. sweet like oh i did it that's so like ah oh, that that exactly. rush is, is why we do this it's why oh, we play exactly. games exactly mm-hmm. right so the next one is pretty similar to re-watching the cutscene. billy you wrote this one down it's unskippable tutorials so a great the, one because I, I you might have been able to tell but i've been on a bit of a nintendo kick recently <laughs> um, yeah. so when, when when tom came to me and asked like you know things that irritate you about video games Unskip your tutorials. Pokemon. Every Pokemon game you have ever you ever play, you go through the same tutorial. So and it, it doesn't change. It's Aww. the same thing. And it's like, Nintendo, like, I get it. These are kids' games. I, I don't have a problem with you putting a tutorial in. But by this point, like these games uh, have been going for like 30 years. People have grown up and know how to play these games. Please give <laughs> us the option to skip these. So it's true. not like getting rid of the, the, you don't have to get rid of the tutorial or not at least all. make the tutorial interesting enough to play through. And, yes. you know, mm. there's some tutorials, I think the, the ones I can, you know, you know, the games that you actually play is the tutorials part of your part of your career or part of your you know yeah. the progression through the game let's say you're playing tomb raider and you have to crouch to go under a rock and it will tell you oh please yeah. crouch or please jump or and this you know, is the it incorporates it that that's fine but in, like the, the way nintendo because i'm specifically thinking of the pokemon games mm. the way that works is it's not like it is technically part of the story but you do you just sit there and watch it's like this is how you throw a pokeball and it, it hasn't changed in like 20 years like yeah. people know how to do this now. Honestly, yeah. I also find with those Pokemon games, they give you so much transcript to read. Like there's so many pages and pages of words. Like it's that, unreal. That is the other thing about the, like the tutorials and Pokemon games. It's all text. Yeah, it's all text. And especially when we're talking about dealing with children. I remember yeah. playing Pokemon for the first time as a kid. I would just spam the crap out of the A button. <laughs> get Basically. through it. Yep, absolutely. That, that, that's a lot of... Uh, DS games and Nintendo games have all these these pop-ups yeah. would you call them I remember the, the white yeah. text boxes that you just yes. go, yeah, whatever whatever I mean, whatever that, that is like a combination of the fact that like that that's a very like Japanese gaming thing it's because they they do like visual novels and stuff which are just yeah. basically stories in a game but it is partly because they're they're for kids and they want to explain everything clearly and it's like look I, I I get it I do but please give me an option to skip this like have someone come up to me and be like do you know how to do X? And I can go, yes, I do know how to do X. Go away and don't bother me. Let me just well, play the a, game. It's a simple mechanic that is easily incorporated into games. This this one, this one as a as a concept is so frustrating. And that's why I want to push it up on the uh, yeah. on the leaderboard for these things. But it's also mm-hmm. a lot of games 
do it in a nice way. So I feel yes. like it's not as it's not a problem in many games, but when there's those ones like you said with the yes. Pokemon, it's it's up there definitely. I I hundred percent agree. If all games did it, it would be oh <laughs> top of the list. But yeah, we're gonna draw it down a little bit and say that you know it's a big problem, but the games. Some there are so many well. games to do it. Yeah, exactly. I and fair, I think that, yeah. I think that's fair enough. Okay, this one. Oh, this one frustrates me so much. I just, <laughs> I've just read it in it. It's rubber banding. Yep. Now, before I say anything, I know it's not to do with the actual game. This is the thing we've got to think about. You know, it's, it's more the internet connection in most, in most, well, most examples. Yeah. See, rubber banding is a thing in games. Look. Um, so, it's for any of our listeners who who happen not to know, rubber banding is where, uh, particularly, it's a thing in racing games. Where as you're put, it's like car speeds are linked. So as you're pulling away, like an AI becomes faster to catch up to you and it slows down when it's ahead of you. So you never get too far behind or far ahead. Um, Thomas, please be thinking of, I think, where it's lagging, where cars oh, seem to ping back see, and forth. Uh, that's, that's, my, that's my idea of rubber banding. That's where it must have been. There's confusing. so many interpretations of it because initially when I saw it on the list, I thought you were referring to people putting rubber bands Round the analog sticks to like, <laughs> no, like see, run I... constantly on games. Oh, no. if, people well, want, like, if people want to do stupid things like that to their consoles, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, yeah. Especially, yeah. I should have guessed considering. I've never realised this was this was a thing. See, oh. my my oh, interpretation yeah. of rubber banding is when you play multiplayer games and the internet connection forces you to you know ping around the map or go through an object I've and then that come well. back and that's my interpretation yeah. of it and that's what that's what grinds yeah. my gears but well, like you said it's it's as i say when i too. when i put this on on leaderboard it's basically the ai gets better if you if you're ahead and it's like that that is not a thing that should happen the ai should not just suddenly begin to know things it cannot know because i'm better than it is you know it's like uh it's like catch up that's, that's the word it in is. racing it, games. Yeah. It's it is. Up, isn't it? Or, that's exactly, exactly what it is. Like, playing, like, for example, in GTA, it does it massively when you're playing GTA 5. Multiplayer mm-hmm. has massive catch up mechanics to stop yeah. the guy right at the end, uh, you know, from yeah. struggling too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only difference I think with rubbing is that it's also when the AI is ahead of you, it gets worse. So it becomes easier for you to catch up yourself, which I find really oh, annoying as well. Yeah. It's off topic. Another thing that's well, it's actually not too not too off topic. It's when games change the difficulty, but the only thing they do is make you weaker. I think that's so stupid. I think See, when I you actually, change difficulty, make make more things happen or make the enemy stronger, but don't just well, weaken my character. See, I, I to a point I agree with you, but I also find it irritating when the when the the way that um, the like the computer makes itself stronger is just by cheating, like. So I, I play Total War. I, I think I've yeah. talked about Total War before. But yeah. um, so when you go onto the harder difficulties of Total War, it doesn't like just go, oh, the AI is going to be smarter. It's going to learn how to use its games better. No, it just gives it like massive economy boosts so it can have like a hundred armies for every one of yours. Uh, yeah, that's just, it's like, well, it's the same with humankind and civilization. It's every time I play humankind on a hard difficulty, there's always one guy who's so far ahead and is absolutely perfected I don't know whether they just get a benefit. Like I know in civilization, harder harder civs would essentially be given like an extra settler or an extra amount of money that we didn't get. It's like, well, don't do that. Just make the AI smarter so it knows what to do with its. I mean, its beginning is it's just annoying that it, it that one is an issue. But like 
I, t- I tend to be quite lenient on that one because it's like I understand that making AI is really, really hard. I bet, yeah, of course. So mm. it's like I don't like it, but I'm like I can understand why you've done this. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So going back to what we're saying, Robert Banding, in your terms, Billy, how would how annoying would you say? Is it is it beaten camping? Is it beaten crappy dialogue in cutscenes? You know, where whereabouts are we placing this? I, I think it doesn't have probably- to be exact or. Yeah, I think this is probably like the least annoying of these. It just irritates me because I've recently been playing like a lot of Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, and older games as well. I know you like older games. I think as you bring up the AI thing, older games where they haven't developed the AI as much, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's particularly prevalent, you know what I mean? Or coding maybe, yeah. or, or, or worse coding than there is now. And, and just the tools weren't available. Or the yeah, Whereas, game engine is, yeah. is you know not able to, to really do as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay, right. So that's... That's pretty much all I've got down in the list, guys. So we've determined that rubber banding is pretty low, unskippable tutorials, annoying, but people have, you know, there aren't enough of them. To be them. A there big, aren't big enough issue. of them. Mm-hmm. Cut scenes with glitches are very frustrating, but it's more of an annoyance. You know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. feeling like it really grinds my gears. So I think it's out of either camping. Or having to rewatch a cutscene every time you die, so we can uh, vote for this now. Okay. Since there's it's three actually, of us, I actually yeah. like how it's whittled down to those two because it's actually quite a cheeky, cheeky so yeah, decision to make. We're gonna have, yeah. we're gonna have a little vote now between the two, uh, camping or you know rewatching a cutscene. So Gabriel, what, what's your what's your uh, verdict? Which one do you think tops the charts here? So for me personally, I'm going to go with camping for the simple reason of I feel when I'm in my most enraged moment, it's always online play and it's always, you know what I mean? And it's always in that fast paced environment, you know, where you're really like on a streak or whatever, like pretty much if I was to picture myself lobbing a controller as hard as I can at the wall after one of those situations plays out, I'd probably put it down to the camper rather than the, um, uh, cutscene. Yeah, Billy. I have to. I have to agree. I'm, I'm going to go camping too. Uh, apart from anything, apart from anything else, one camping is a person's deliberate choice. I cannot like cutscenes being skip on people. You might just overlook that. Someone is camping you. They are doing it on purpose. And two, I can read a book or something during an unskippable cutscene. I can just do something else, which I can't do when someone is camping me. I have to stop playing. Good point. See, you guys have made some very good reasons to why camping is the best here but just for the purpose well just for just for me i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree and say that you know give my reasons as to why a rewatchable cutscene is super annoying okay camping it's not a problem with the game itself right and you maybe think like well come on hey come on now like it's you know but it's more the, the people playing it so i feel like at when when the problems with gaming it's having an unskippable cutscene every time you die is a problem that can be fixed and needs to be fixed. And it's just super annoying. And I know it doesn't happen in every game, uh, but camping doesn't either. I just feel like it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, Oh my God, again, 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 please just stop. But yeah, camping obviously does grind, grind my gears. There's ways to deal with it, but it's more or less the fact that camping is more uh, a person thing or a gamer thing than mm-hmm. an actual game thing if that makes sense but yeah. i mean my my choice doesn't make a difference camping i think tops that with with our democracy vote here so we're <laughs> doing camping is 
the most annoying thing that happens in a video game. Yeah. You've heard it right here. I'm happy for that, yeah. Perfect. All right. Now, we're going to get on with our weekly news in just a moment. Okay, so we'll be right back. Bear with us. Okay, welcome back to River Radio. My name's Tom. I'm here with Gabriel and Billy. We're coming to the end of this week's show. We've just, well, we've had our game of the week right at the start of the show. And we've just finished our discussion about the most annoying things that happen in gaming. Yeah. And we've we've figured out that camping is pretty much the, the number one most hmm. annoying well, thing that ever happens. Yeah. Well, we, we think camping is. Obviously, if, if your opinion is different, email us. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Come this tell is, us. This is, this is three gamers' opinions. You know, there could be things that we haven't even thought about that you guys at home can email us that, that will really grind our gears. And maybe we can mention those as a an honorary shout-out in future episodes. That would be great. Yeah. Probably worth mentioning the email when we do that. So that's hitbox at river.radio. So if you yep. have any ideas, things that are really annoying, send us an email. Let us know who you are and give us reasons as to why you think what you think of is annoying yeah sounds good brilliant okay so finally guys weekly roundup just to explain briefly you guys are going to tell me the most recent up-to-date stories and news articles that have happened in the gaming landscape the gaming world and try and teach me and the listeners at home something more so who wants to start gabriel billy yeah i mean i'll i'll jump in i'll jump in go for it go for it Right, so apparently Sega and Microsoft are going to partner up and develop a cloud-powered super game. Back in May, Sega expressed its desire to create what is called a super game within the next five years. Now, the Japanese publisher has entered a strategic alliance with Microsoft with plan to use the tech giant's Azure cloud platform to power those ambitious plans. By the way, the Azure cloud platform is essentially Microsoft's massive database center, data hub, which facilitates these massive games which require, which which um, often have loads of players. So essentially, Microsoft have almost carved out a niche which requires certain game developers to use that platform to actually facilitate these massive games. It's unclear what they really mean by a super game, but I imagine this is going to be a game with a global reach and aims to achieve high concurrent player numbers kind of thing. So I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe Fortnite, I would argue, is a uh, a super game, maybe. Yeah. Um, Sega has sat uh, sat comfortably as a well-regarded publisher of PC strategy games and Japanese RPGs. But personally... I haven't played any of their games for a while, and I don't know about you guys, but not since the days of Sonic. I haven't really dabbled really? in their games, no. I think there's a few Sega games that I've played. I don't even know if... I could be completely wrong here, but I think Football Manager is owned by Sega. That could might be, be a big I could be completely one wrong. I could be uh, completely wrong, but... The, the big one for me is Total War. Warhammer is Sega. Is right, yeah. which is also frustrating because if that were available on console, I'd have definitely played that and I'd have definitely not be yeah. saying that I haven't played one of their games yeah. in a while. It, it's never, ever going to be available. It, it, I don't think the control scheme would work not on possible, console. is it, nah. really? No. No, it and that is have fair the, the dexterity that you'd need to to, to, to run some games yeah. like those. Yeah. Um, for another Sega game, Alien Isolation, I think, is a Sega game. 
Nice. So there's, some, there's some big ones. There's some big ones. Yeah. There. yeah. there are. There are some. I mean, obviously, I'm definitely not trying to say Sega isn't a popular game, but <laughs> I think, uh, you know, developer, sorry, not that it's a game. Um, but what I mean is, is I think that especially since the days of them releasing their own consoles where they really had oh, their own, yeah. they've sort of dipped a little bit, but they're still out there and they are still a big player. Now, last week, our guest, this is my second bit of news, sorry, to quickly move on there. Okay. Last week, our guest on the show, Tom, explained he had been playing the new Age of Empires. Yes. And yes, yes, which I found out loads about and actually sounds like a really exciting game. It's a real time strategy game, um, which, yeah, is really popular. And that's actually what this news is about. So interestingly, it is currently sitting at the top of Steam's global sellers, uh, top sellers chart. Age of Empires 4 hit a peak player count of 73,928 over the weekend, according to the Steam database. Uh, database. Wow. To put that in a video game perspective, that's a higher peak player count than Gary's Mod, Vermitide 2, or XCOM Enemy Unknown. And that's not counting the people playing on Game Pass for PC. Yeah, I, I think I vaguely sort of scrolled past this while I was looking for my news this week. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a big it's a it's a big story. It's really taken steam by storm. To be fair, I've got something funny that that's about this game because I was going to download Age of Empires four a couple of days ago, and I I opened it on the Xbox Game Pass because obviously it's free on there, and I saw it had a two hundred gigabyte download, Ooh. and I was like, hold on a minute, there's no, no way my computer can store huge. a two hundred gigabyte game. Um, so, so I left it for a few days and then I, I said, my, my mate brought it up when we were talking on discord and, uh, he said, Oh, are you, are you downloading age of empires yet? And I said, well, I can't really, cause it's 200 gigabytes. I don't really have space. And he's like, well, no, it's not. It, it's like 73 gigabytes now or something. So I went back and checked and it, it, it miraculously lost 130 odd gigabytes in its oh, download. Wow. So I don't know what happened there. Bizarre. The day day one release on Xbox uh, Game Pass was telling people, or at least <laughs> telling me, that it was 200 gigabytes. So now, I, well, to be fair, I still don't have 73 gigabytes of space at the moment because all my all my hard drives <laughs> taken up. But yeah, it's it's much better than the 200 gigabytes that it, it originally said it would it would be. Not not even a day one patch, day zero patch. Yeah, literally, as, as soon as it came out. At least out, they're off. on it. At least they're on it, if that is yes. a glitch. I'd imagine it's either just a, a misread, like misreading. I don't know how Xbox or Steam Ash. really get to find out how big the thing is. Maybe it's just a user input that the developers do when they when they release their game. They, you know, how big is it? How big is the file? When maybe they, they accidentally you know. sold you. Maybe they were accidentally selling three copies of the game as one. <laughs> Well, maybe who knows? Who knows? But that that was just a bit of a funny bit of information related to the yeah related to the topic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gabriel, is that everything then? That is everything, Tom. All right, Billy. Then take it away, mate. So I'm assuming you've both heard of Quake. Yes. No. Yes. 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 Quake Pro. Yeah. So if, for those who aren't aware, Quake is a, a very famous FPS from like the 1990s, uh, from 1996 actually, which is way older than I ever thought. Um, but it's by id Software who are currently owned by Zenimax, who you might have heard of because they own Bethesda. Uh, with everything that's going on with Bethesda and their inability to make games, that's another issue. <laughs> but Zenimax have recently been uh, have, have a series of job listings saying that they are looking to do a bunch of uh, recruiting for id Software 
uh, and the uh, the candidates are going to be helping in the development of a long running iconic FPS uh, with one of the artist vacancies mentioning sci-fi and fantasy environments. So there's a lot of speculation right now. That they're going to put out another Quake game. Um, although so some exciting. people are, yeah, some people are thinking maybe it might be Doom because they did also make Doom. Yeah, of course. So that's always possible. Uh, but Quake is a, is a pretty well known series, and it wouldn't it would be far from off the cards for that to be. be do you know when released. the last? Do you know when the last Quake game was released? Because I think oh, I saw one come up. I don't know whether there was a remaster of of one or uh, they've just been put on the store recently. Because I remember them coming up somewhere. Let me see. You can have think. a quick look there, but yeah, yeah Quake, I know Quake, Quake is originally a very old, a very old series. It is It'll be interesting say, to 19, see. Nineteen ninety six, as I say, is, is the the first one. Uh, so now it technically depends what you mean by a, a game. So there are there are sort of several. Uh, the latest proper like mainline story game uh, was arguably Quake Four, which was two thousand five, or Quake Wars, which is two thousand seven. They're still really yeah, really a long old. time yeah. ago. The absolutely yeah the the absolute latest game was something called Quake Champions, which is uh, like a, I think it's like a, a MOBA like. Uh, sort of Overwatchy style thing. I think I've not really heard much about it. Okay. Okay. Um, but so that came out in 2017. But as I say, it'd be really interesting to get like a proper remake of, of the original Quake because it's, it's one of those really old games. It's like that sounds really cool, and I'd kind of like to play it. But it's also so old, I have nothing that will run it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Bless. It's 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 interesting because obviously Doom's been out for you know decades. Um, yes. And Doom's also been doing, if, if, unless I've completely gone mad, Doom just recently did, had its whole reboot thing in like 2016 and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they've got new games coming like, out. They've had new well, games coming out a lot. Doom Eternal came out, what, like last year or something? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's nice to see that these sort of original classics are, are getting re- remade and there's yeah. still an audience for it, which yeah. goes to show you the game, the gamers back in the 90s and even the 80s, maybe, that, that uh, are still asking and wanting Quake yeah. and Doom. Like games. Uh, and my other bit of news for this week is actually about Fortnite, which uh, makes it quite amusing that you mentioned it for that super game thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Fortnite is obviously well, one of those most popular games, and it's going to stop being available in China soon. Uh, like, completely. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, it is a surprise because it's not China stopping it. Epic are just pulling the plug. Yeah. That is very strange. Okay. okay. It is. So... Uh, Fortnite hasn't actually been available in China for very long. Uh, Epic put, sort of put it out there as a test to see how well it would do. And it was slightly different from the, the game you're, we're more familiar with uh, over here in the West. Uh, so it, it has like multiple people could win at once and the game was shorter and such. Uh, but it's really interesting because apparently this, this I sort of I've seen speculation, this might be about the uh, uh, China cutting down on online gaming, which if you remember was a story a, a, a yes. month or so ago. Of course. Yeah. Where they were cutting down online games to like a, an hour a week, or three hours a week, or, or whatever it was, uh, and it, it's really, really interesting because they appear to be pulling it out because it, it's no longer available. As of I think today, today is the last day you can uh, get it, you know, download it and register to play if you're you're in China. Uh, I don't know if any of our listeners are in China, but there you go. Okay, uh, oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. It I is suppose- interesting. I was going to say, I suppose it's because if people can't play it as much, they probably have much less incentive to keep pumping it yes. out and pumping out the content, etc. Especially because Fortnite is a game that is, because it's free to play, it's very reliant on its microtransactions. Precisely. And 
with less play, those become less uh, interesting to buy, I think. It's mm-hmm. interesting that there's been the plug's been pulled. Like obviously, I know you've got to pay for servers and everything, but it's interesting to see that it's just not it's not being left, you know, with, without updates and just left to, to sit and, and for people to play. Yeah. But yeah, it's being completely well, uh, yeah, but eradicated. By, yeah, by the sound of it, my understanding is that like the game will still be running at least for some time. Oh, okay. But you won't, but you won't be able to uh, uh, download it or. or uh, register anymore so you might right, I, I see which certainly sounds like the first step in yeah we're just gonna shut everything down yeah so it's the first process first step in, yeah. in, in the process of getting it completely gone i, I would be very surprised if, if Fortnite in china is still running by like this time next year or maybe even sooner 